Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and we're here at High Five Studio this evening. And my, it's fucking cold outside. Agreed. Dude, like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just so over February. February is the shortest month of the year, and it's the longest to fucking get through. I'm, I'm February is just dead to me. Um, but um, my guest today is uh, a poet self-published author, author of her book, Black Girls, Silence, and Other Things Made of Gold, and she is a manager of the Milwaukee recording label, House of Renji. We have Mikey Cody Apollo in the house. Thank you for having me. How are you today? Doing good. Um, going back to what you said about it being cold as fuck, um, yeah. I work in the almost 100-year-old Oriental Theater, Yeah. so they are pretty stingy with heat every now and again, yeah. so we have to have like our dedicated hours where it's like the heat is going full blast. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, otherwise it was pretty, pretty smooth today. Yeah, what, what's showing today? What's popular at the Oriental? So we had um, Cold War for one showing, right. and then The Favorite, because Oscar nominated. Right. And then we also had Never Look Away, which is three okay. hours and ten minutes. Wow. Yeah. So I'd that. have to get up and do a couple stretch breaks. And the thing is, too, like, people will go in, and then sometimes, like, they get to, like, that last hour, and they're like, well, I've seen enough, and then yeah. they duck out. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had, like, a special screening of the film Greta, and that oh. was a nice way to end my wow. set. Awesome. So. Yeah. I, uh, I just watched The Favorite the other day. Um, it, it was really fucking good. I loved it. The way, yeah. And then the fact that Olivia Colman won, like, best lead mm. actress. I mean, I wanted to go to Glenn Close, but sure. Olivia was, like, my runner-up, because... She killed it in the favorite. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just have the biggest crush on Rachel Weisz. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, well, uh, it appears we have uh, some White Claw on the table. <laughs> uh, we, we got the Tall Boys. Um, told Mikey to take your pick. She chose the Black Cherry. I'm going with the Ruby Grapefruit. Um, have you never had this before? Nope. <laughs> so we're going to see what goes. Mm. Mm. Okay. I yeah, it's it's good. It's, I mean, I'm surprised you're new to it because like this past, it literally 2018 was like the year of White Claw blew up. I'm also a baby when it comes to drinking, yeah. so I'll be like, wow, I know tequila sunrises. I'm just gonna stick with that. That's okay. That's okay. Sometimes you just stick to what you know. Um, I, I mean, this is a rare occasion where I actually like spend my money on this stuff, but. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciated. Yeah, it deeply. Is, it is still tasty. Okay. Well, you know why the the real reason we're here? We're here to talk about love and fear. Yep. Um, which, um, as somebody who is who uses words to, as a way for you to you know express yourself and your you know various life obstacles and things that you find animosity. Uh, from in the world that is nothing that you're no stranger to that yeah <laughs> um so i guess um we'll start with uh what we got on the table here um my baby your baby she's two years old now so about to be two years old in july oh wow yeah so, so yeah and we were talking about uh the the rather lengthy lengthy title yeah um, do you want my explanation of on course, why? Yeah, okay. please do, yeah. Um, so originally Black Girl Silence and Other Things Made of Gold was a creative writing final. Sure. So my junior-ish year of being at UWM, I had this really amazing creative writing teacher, 
uh, shout out to Toby Ray, um, who like recognized me from like some like random like poetry in the park type thing. Yeah. So first day of class, he was like, "You do poetry, don't you?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of my thing." And he was like, "Do you have a book out?" And I was like, "No." Um, so I procrastinated on this for like five plus years. Wow. So he was like, "I really think you should like look into doing that." And then since I was in the habit of writing more, because you know, had to get an A in the class. Yeah. Um, it was easier for me to, I think, kind of like, quote unquote, go there with my writing because this was a person who not only was familiar with my work, um, but I think around that time was when I started coming into more of like being vulnerable and talking a lot about my experience, particularly as a black woman. Um, yeah. And so being me, uh, the day came along where we had to put together our portfolio and it was maybe like five minutes before class started and I was out in the little yeah. computer lab trying to print it all out. Oh. And I'm texting Jen um, and I'm like, I have literally no idea what I'm gonna call this. Cause that was like a big requirement was you had to give it a title mm. and it had to be like a collective of your work. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there going through all the things that I'm like, all right, black girls, cool. That has to be in the title. Cause yeah. that's my thing. Um, I love gold. Um, that's like my obsession, whether it's like highlighter or like the color or dresses or anything like that. Um, and so of course when you think gold, you know, the phrase like silence is golden. Um, yeah. and so quickly in my head I was like kind of was like a Tetris kind of thing. It was like, okay, black girl silence, other things made of gold, cool, like we wow. got it. You struck that, that combo, the Tetris combo, like right, at, right as it was about to drop to the bottom. Basically, because it was like, all right, cool, I'm already late. I've been late all semester. Like, let's try to end on somewhat of a decent student note. Um, but yeah, and so after that, um, I think I just was so happy and excited to, like, see my work all together. Because, mm -hmm. you know, like, between doing poetry for open mics and slams, it's very... I'd never, like, seen it all just kind of, like, back to back. And so to kind of have the experience of, like, flipping through it, I was like, okay. Got a couple scenes going, like yeah. got a couple things going. Um, it's like a, it's a whole cohesive piece for the first time ever. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And to see it and like just to know that like so much like, you know, love and everything else had like gone into it, it was a really like surreal feeling. So thus my long rambly explanation for why this title is long. Um, but yeah, that's how it kind of came about. Well. Um, so content wise, so is it just kind of like a selection sort of based thing? So, so the content kind of dips into the theme of fear. Are you cool if we go there right away? Do it. That's All right. What, hey, that's what we're here for. So we, we love. <laughs> <laughs> so fear would stop me from publishing for a very long time. Um, it is something that, like, like I've you know, long story short, I've wanted to be a writer since like I was eight years old. Yeah. Fell in love with Junie B. Jones, wrote my own version oh, yeah. of Junie B. Jones. I remember those, we, we used to have those in like all of our elementary classrooms. <laughs> Every time it was like, oh, we're gonna read a book, I'd like suggest like, let's do Junie B. Jones. And I distinctly remember in second grade, everyone being like, we're tired of Junie B. Jones. You mm -hmm. have Junie B. Jones just like out. And I was like, no, we still gotta do it. Yeah. Um, Cause that's what like made me fall in love with it. And I think that's kind of when I like discovered like this was the art form that I wanted to stick to. Mm -hmm. Um, so then, you know, got to high school, had participated in the high school slam league through Stillwater's Collective, um, mm -hmm. and went to high school, the arts, the champion team for numerous years. Shout out. Uh, yeah. We love shout outs. I this guy. Um, and then, so, you know, had, had been in a family that was always like, wanted me to dream big, like do what I wanted to do. And so of course, like I had family members in my ear, like, you should make a book. Yeah. You should write a book. And I had an original, like, originally the book was 
like 15 to 20 pages. Um, I was going to call it like exclaim and the I was going to be an exclamation oh mark and it was going to yeah. be like so dope and poetic. Um, and I think maybe like two or three poems from that original copy made this. Um, and it just, the reason I didn't like do anything with it was it didn't feel right. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't complete. I wasn't telling the story I wanted to be telling because I was scared. Like mm -hmm. one, I was scared to even go there with my writing and by go there I mean like write about the stuff that scared me, write about stuff that had been going on that I had been trying to unpack and kind of figure out on my oh, own. Sure. Um, and then also like with some of my poems like I wanted to swear and I wanted to talk about sex and I wanted to talk about yeah. all these things that are stigmatized and I was like if I if I print this like my mother's gonna read it, my father's gonna read it, like my yeah. grandmother's gonna read it and so sure. I was paralyzed really in this weird space where I was like I have like the ideas but if I put them on paper not only does that like you know like you get scared of people like judging you mm -hmm. for knowing the real you because then it's like it's it's you wrote it into existence so it's for the world to you know relate to yeah and then of course like i was scared <clears throat> because then people would be like like you're vulnerable people would yeah. see like oh, me yeah. in entirety mm -hmm. and that that was a big deal and yeah. so the book was on hold for years and again from my sophomore junior year of high school up until my junior like year of college yeah. um and I really think if I hadn't been in that creative writing class I probably still wouldn't have a book out like yeah. I really don't think I would have pushed myself to to do it um I think having Toby as a creative writing teacher really pushed me yeah and then at the same time that was also the fall of 2016 mm -hmm. um so with everything going on in the world all these just yeah the bullshit that's happening it's very dreary time yeah and i was like i don't like now is not the time to be quiet now is not yeah. the time to be silent now is not the time to more than ever it's time to it's time to use your voice if you have one <laughs> yeah. and that was the thing i wanted to be the voice of like not only like folks who are in marginalized communities but particularly tell my story of what it meant to be a black woman in the city that is segregated and at the same time a lot of people shit on Milwaukee and Milwaukee yeah. is my favorite like Milwaukee no. is home for me yeah for sure so I like to think of it not only as like an ode to like my life and my experiences and to like black womanhood and all that other stuff but really it's like an ode to my time here in the city that is very you know scrutinized and under surveillance but is still very beautiful at the same time oh totally because so. yeah, it produces like because it, it just it, despite and I have this conversation with a lot of people um, when we talk about Milwaukee and its segregation is that you know when we talk about how like a lot of people that are here namely people that are here from college and I'm guilty of this too for I was guilty of this for a while is we come to Milwaukee and we're like wow Milwaukee's such a melting pot it's so diverse yeah. We're talking about the east side. We're not talking about the, the grand scope of what Milwaukee is. And, but that being said, it's like, Milwaukee is very diverse, but it's also very segregated. And it's like we have, you know, all kinds of different, you know, uh, niches uh, of talented people and communities that have different ways of expressing themselves, but it's not it's everyone kind of sticks to their scenes and there's not a whole lot of integration and yeah. i feel like it's slowly becoming that's slowly being challenged 
I feel like, especially in a community like this, like in River West, it's it's a little different where there's more bridging of people that come from various backgrounds making up a more uh, cohesive community that, you know, isn't all made up of kind of the same vibe of the same people that all think the same way and everything. But, um, but that's definitely something that, like, it's almost like, you know, we saying, like, what we said earlier about, like, if you have a voice to use it, it's like having a community that has, like, a lot of different types of people in it is, you know, how you're going to impact the, the big picture of Milwaukee because, like, you know, the more people from different backgrounds that are hearing what you have to say, despite they may, may be someone from an entirely different place and an entirely different, you know, background than you, and they can say, wow, like, that makes sense, or wow, I want to hear from you, then that's how you know we're, like, we're really pushing the boundaries over, like, what it means to, like, really capture the, the greatness of Milwaukee. So what would a, uh, like, what would be if you were going to, like, describe a passage from your book about, I guess, how you, um, like, I guess, definitive, uh, for lack of a better term, piece that um, would describe, like, what you're trying to say in this text? Like, what would you, what would you pick? <laughs> That's a question I was not prepared for. That's, that's what I do. I throw the curveballs. Hmm. I think I think I'd pick a piece called Inheritance. Um, and Inheritance is a dedication piece to my great grandmother, my grandmother, and my mother. Um, and so it's all these women who came before me, and basically kind of like this ode to them, but at the same time talking about different trials and tribulations they had. And how, despite like all the stuff that they have gone through, um, we're all here and like still kicking and thriving, mm -hmm. um, and like surviving in spite of it. Yeah. And I think that kind of is the overall thing I wanted to express, not only as like a black woman, but just the like just being a woman in general, like the shit you get handed like day to day, um, and how all that kind of built up. Um, between like again my great grandmother and my, my grandma um, and then how like it comes to my mom and how my mom kind of like provided for me in a sense that like I could like I don't know just it, my mother is the best um, yeah, that's like sure. my best friend in the world shout so, out moms yeah we love moms, moms. The best. Um, but yeah I just I think I would pick that one because it's talking about all the stuff that's hard and all the stuff that you know is like you know makes you unhappy and all the other stuff but like still existing in spite of it and still like thriving in spite of it and being hopeful mm -hmm. and joyful um and the reason I think I also think of that one is it's like one of those like mixed kind of pieces in the in the book where it's like yes it's it has sad parts and sad undertones but totally. overall I don't want folks to think of like my existence as being something sad um or blackness as being something sad or woman as being something sad yeah, like yeah. or other yeah just or other in general like how despite like oppression and all these obstacles like there's still joy and there's still like a lot to be like there's still a lot more in there outside of trauma yeah, um of course yeah. yeah so i think that's what i i jumped to is the piece inheritance 
Well, yeah, and I think uh, that's a pretty opportune uh, point to to um, kind of, I guess, love really ties in there, I would say, because it's like, despite all of the adversity, like, it comes from being a part of multiple marginalized groups. Yeah. Like, it's like still having that hope and saying, well, you know, I'm still... I'm still staying positive and I'm still, um, you know, using these words to, you know, conduct myself against all these obstacles as like, as a black woman in Milwaukee, like, what do you feel is most important for like other groups of people to be the best ally, um, you know, from your, like, you know, in regard in, with in relation to your experience. Yeah, um, I had this conversation recently on Facebook. Um, Usually happens. Yeah, because that's <laughs> I try and I try really hard. I'm like I'm not gonna get into it with anybody on Facebook, and I'm gonna keep it rolling. And then still, I'm like mid paragraph, and I'm like it's too late. Um, but someone um, posted. Um, it was a black guy who was like, oh what do you mean when you say that we don't love black women? Because um, I love black women and all the other stuff. And so it became this really big discourse where I was like, you know, this is all the stuff that black women go through. And a couple other people jumped in and they were like, well, I feel like this isn't this. And I was like, okay, you know, if you want to be an ally to black women, like you need to listen. And I think that's always, that's my biggest thing is just listening. Um, so that we're not being talked over because that happens a lot or yeah. like, just you know like invading in our space or even when when we are irritated or passionate or angry about something instead of throwing the stereotype of angry black woman like yeah. maybe listen and you'll understand that you probably would be angry too if you were experiencing some of these things yeah. um so that is my and that's not to say that i'm like these folks women of black women everywhere but i know for me personally with my experiences i'm like damn if people maybe have just listened a little bit more um which sounds kind of like ironic i guess given that i do spoken word but like you know like this idea that like in certain spaces i wish people just to like like and like actively listen not listen to respond like or to like try and poke holes in what i said because like end of the day fuck you like i did right. like i can't you can't tell me my truth isn't like of course accurate um because right. yeah. that's my truth so it's because yeah. many of these people have never been in your position like and it's like you anyone that hasn't like you know hasn't had the exact, you know, been in the exact shoes of, you know, being this or that. It's like they can't tell you what is or isn't, like, a microaggression or something that, like, you know, they can't tell you about your own oppression, yeah. if that makes sense. And I think that, I mean, that just applies to any marginalized community. Mm. You can't say, you know, let's bring me back to our recent Facebook oh, conversation. Totally. Like, you can't be like... No, yeah. <laughs> you've never experienced that, <laughs> like, or being like you haven't experienced enough in order to feel valid, yeah. like. And that's where, and that, you know that, and I, um, I'll, I'll just for the sake of context, um, I recently made a post on Facebook about including Jews in your activism, and um, I, I had some comments that were somewhat putting my my uh, assertion into question being like, oh, like, are Jews really oppressed? Like, who's oppressed in the Jewish community? Like, and, um, Mikey over here, um, <laughs> uh, so wonderfully and eloquently put that intersectionality 
is designed so that, like, you know, oppression is no contest. We shouldn't be fighting over who is or who's more oppressed versus, like, who, or, you know, putting, um, or questioning, like, the struggle of another marginalized group that you really have no idea, like, what it's like to speak to because, you know, you, if, like we said, like, if you don't, if something isn't applicable to you, it's like you can't tell somebody who it is applicable to, like, that this is and isn't okay. Um, so, yeah. And so, and that's a really important thing is like, you know, being as a Jew, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, you know, anti Semitism is something that, like, it's like, even since I really started paying attention, I didn't even realize how prevalent a lot of anti-Semitism and, like, you know, neo-Nazism and the KKK's presence, like, just how prevalent it still is in, you know, like, not only in the Western world, but, you know, there's, there's hateful people worldwide. And it's a global phenomenon that requires the... It requires people to listen to us. And, and like, you know, a lot of people kind of... It's like, when people think about anti-Semitism, it's often very synonymous with, like, the Holocaust. And, like, oh, my God, the Holocaust happened, the Jews were exterminated. And, and it's like, you know, we can't forget that that happened. And that's something that, you know, we have a whole Holocaust Remembrance Day for that. And we, you know, that's something that is... It's like it's household knowledge to know about the Holocaust, but but it is for me at least because you know I was educated that way. But there's plenty of people that don't have any education about the Holocaust or the hardship of being Jewish or how there's still a lot of anti-Semitism that's being you know that's being displayed by hateful people. Of like everywhere like i see news stories all the time of like swastikas being spray painted on people's houses yeah. or even just the the shooting that occurred in october the the synagogue that killed 11 jews like that's it's like that is you know that's an example like those are just examples of how anti-semitism is very alive and well we and, have to do the work across the board and mm -hmm. i think part of the issue and it even happens like within communities too this idea like this doesn't exist or we need to fo we need to focus on this in order and then we'll come back to this later down the line it's like no my guy we got to focus on yeah. all things across the board and put in that work otherwise like you know like liberation not possible that way right. which is like funny too because even like when i saw that status like <laughs> i was talking to my partner and i was like well here we go like, yeah. <laughs> like anything for men like <laughs> Man, we. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was texting Jen and my partner in like a group set, and I was like, "Do you all see?" Oh this? my god, I was like, I, I literally. But the thing is, it's like, when I was like, I felt so like cornered and powerless when you know people were actually actively saying like, you know, like, like kind of making me look like the bad guy for you know making this assertion. It's like I was like literally like speechless and. You were honestly one of the, like, you were, like, the go-to first person I thought of, like, that, you know, like, you would, 
know what to do or you would have some kind of great insight or you would kind of, I guess, know what to say to me in order to help me, like, address it properly. Like, I thought of you. And that's the thing. Like, I think that's, like, the idea of being an ally. Like, yeah. it was one of those situations where I'm like, wow, Ben has, like, listened to me and done, like, emotional, intellectual labor on my behalf. Of course. Who am I to not, like, return <laughs> the favor? Especially in an instance like this. For literally the sentence, include you. Then your activism. Yeah, like, not right. like, hey, have you heard? <laughs> Just right. like, or we need to prioritize this over this. Like, it's just... Exactly. It's like... Inclusion. The, right. And the, it's like, the Jewish oppression does not... It does not trump the, the black oppression or the woman oppression or the Muslim oppression. It, it's like, we're not... There's no, like, contest here. It's like... That's we what should, Audre Lorde said. Right. You can't... And I'm like, yeah. you're not going to challenge me on my, my literal Lord. <laughs> like, you're not going to do it. No. Like, you, you have, like... That's the idea. It's like being there, t like looking after one another, like standing up for the rights and the and acknowledging the hardships of of others that you don't know what it's like, but you know you may have something that they don't know what it's like, and that's it's like, and that's like kind of like a. An interesting thing about our political climate is that despite, you know, all of, like, the, like, just, just despite all of, like, the really, you know, how disgruntled a lot of us are about the administration and, like, who's, you know, in charge of our government right now, it's, like, it's also helping us rally, you know, in some interesting ways. And we still have a lot of work to do in that, but at least it's starting the conversation, and it's letting us recognize that, well, like, you don't like that this is happening. I don't like that this is happening. I don't really know much about, you know, you and your, you know, minority struggle. So, you know, let's have coffee. Yeah. Or let's have White Claw. <laughs> and I think that's the cool part, too, is where, like, having that activism come in with art. And I think that's kind of like... What I was hoping to do with this, and I'm, I'm sure there's still stuff in here where it's like, you know, maybe we should talk about that a little bit more, you know, just for like the future, like, just like I'm still learning and unlearning a lot of stuff as well. So, and I think it's important, like, as an artist in this time, yeah. to to utilize your resources and to utilize each other in order to do so. Mm -hmm. um, community is like one of those big things that's super important to me, which is also why y'all need to stop like talking about Milwaukee the way you do. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like I just, um, that's kind of my thing, like is like networking and working together. Um, whether it is like, you know, swooping in on a Facebook comment or two, or mm -hmm. it's like, I'm gonna go to your show or I'm gonna go to your concert or, you know, I'll buy a book or anything like yeah. that. Like, there are little ways that you can help, like, everyone else and, like, play yeah, your role and do your part. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. What was the... So... <laughs> After all, that had to come back. Oh, no, 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 no. That's... No, that's... that's That is, like, I whole, wholeheartedly agree that it's, like, the little things that show that, like, you care about what somebody is saying or doing that, you know, it really does go a long way and it helps them know that, you know, what what they're doing matters. And that's kind of what I was going to tie my question in was, what was the first, like, when was the first instance in your poetic or writing career that you knew people were listening? Um, so I started, 
I started doing slam poetry seriously, or just poetry in general, kind of more seriously, yeah. my freshman year of high school. Mm -hmm. um, was on Spiders, the Milwaukee High School of the Arts team, um, and I had qualified for the like big state youth competition, and so they took like the top 25 poets um, to get down to the top six. And one, I was already glad to have been a part of the top 25, um, even though at the time, like, I don't want to be like the only reason I qualified, but like the thing was it was me and one other dude and they took the top two yeah. and we were the only two to slam, so we made it! Um, yeah. But the thing is, after, like I went in completely like pessimistic, I didn't even have a second poem prepared mm -hmm. for this two round slam because I was like, oh I'm not going to get to the second round, I'm just going to go in and do what yeah. I can. Got to the second round and was like, what do I do? Um, so after that, after that first initial competition, um, like a couple months later, we there was an open mic program that was happening at um, Brewing Grounds for Change when that was still a thing, mm -hmm. and it was like a nice little open mic program. Mm -hmm. um, a couple like like close homies of mine were running it, and I'd gotten on stage and you know just did like a like a poem I had been writing, and somebody was like, "I saw you at the state slam months ago, and I was so upset that you didn't go farther." I felt like people weren't listening to you yeah. and it was one of those weird moments where I was like yeah that really happened like I was really in a space oh, yeah. where people were were there and were listening um and it just it was one of those things but I think that was one of the first instances where I was like yeah not only like did you know because people like of course actually are like listening to you but I mean like where I was being heard and somebody like kind of reminded me like that there was value in that and value in what I had to say and that they still remembered it like the fact that it was like so like it was so important to them that they were able to like sit there and like recite lines that I said yeah. or be like you know this part in particular like really touched me um and that's like I think really one of the first times where I was like okay like this might this might be the art form wow. that makes the most sense awesome what was the piece oh god um I don't remember what the first one was. The second one, which like now looking back on it, like I was 14 when that happened. I'm 23 now. Looking back, I'm like I probably was not the appropriate person to tell this story. Um, but I was talking about like this other story that I'd heard from someone somewhere else uh, about like someone being diagnosed with schizophrenia for saying that they were hearing angels, and so that was kind of what the piece was about. So like this like like coming of age kind of story oh, wow. thing um but of course now looking back as someone who does not have schizophrenia I was like ah that probably was not the right way to go about that yeah. um but yeah that was the second round piece that I kind of was like well I don't know what I'm gonna recite so I kind of know this one I don't remember what the first one was though oh first one was again one of those things where I was like wow um it was about a miscarriage Oh, and oh. I think that was one of the first times I started writing more about motherhood and like my weirdness to it um mm -hmm. And like trying to unpack like what does it mean to like be a woman who does or does not want kids and what are all the stuff that come along with that um so yeah those are two pieces but the per the piece in particular that this person was talking about was the second one um so yeah just a weird thing to be 14 and have like grown people being yeah. like wow you wrote this thing and it like rocked my world and like my 40 plus years of existing like it just was a weird thing to wrap my head around mm -hmm. Wow, um, that is, yeah, I mean, it is still like, I mean, that's profound for, from the age of 14, that it's like, um, 
that people were relating you from the get-go. Let's say, you know, you have something, but it's not fully developed yet. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> With the thing that's developed. It's still weird. Like, it's yeah. still weird to be in places and people are like, you wrote that thing. And I'm like, like yeah, <laughs> yeah <For> I sure. did. <laughs> Yeah, so speaking of which, how how is it, like, aged? How has it evolved? Oh, it's... It's so weird, dude! Like, yeah. I can't even put into word what this means. You got like, the post-it notes in there. Yeah, this is this is the first copy, like, the oh, one wow. I read out of. Like, these post-it notes are from the first book release. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just kind of moved them around for shows, because I don't have the heart to throw them away just yet. Of course. Um, yeah, I don't... It's aged well, I'd like to say. Um, I think I'm still pretty proud and confident of it. I was really scared that I would put it out in the world, and after a couple of months I'd be like, I hate this. <laughs> like, uh, why do people buy this? Mm -hmm. um, I know in the past two years I've sold a little bit more of over 500 copies. Wow. It's been in book clubs. Um, beyond Milwaukee? Beyond Milwaukee, which is weird. Like, yeah. Um, it's intimidating. I mean, it's like, this is the real deal now. Like, I'm actually, I'm doing this now. <laughs> it, it's just, it's been weird. It's come with me to universities. Um, yeah. And it's been, it's been around the world. Um, someone bought a copy in France. And someone bought a copy somewhere else that wasn't in America. And just stuff like that is weird. Like, to be like, mm. oh. Like, not even like a, like a like a cocky kind of way to be like oh wow like this book is like you know international like it's just so weird to think like yeah. that's even possible right. like um and I really really that's because of my village like, like this book this book is in a different time zone than me <laughs> that's one way to think about it <laughs> you really messed me up because yeah. I was thinking about that um <laughs> but like it's just I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am now without my village, without friends on Facebook, just spreading the mm. word or sharing links. Um, even the, like the release party, there were like 80 folks in the in the space. Um, oh shit. And it was, it was a small like gallery uh, space. Um, gallery that shall not be named. But like it was, it was just weird. And it was like one of those moments that I still don't think has ever set in really. Like to be in the space with all these people who have been with me either since the beginning of my poetry career or like you know like my parents um and their friends and you know other folks who have kn knew me when I was like riding outside at seven like right, in the backyard yeah. to like folks I had met through slam or folks I met through lyrical sanctuary or like, the ones that found out that you were doing some kind of event and they came to check it out yeah and that was and, wild and they hold and it's like that someone like that holds the same like like numerical value as somebody who's been there the entire time and that I is think, incredible <laughs> and that's the thing too i think it was remarkable the number of strangers in the room too because no. like you know and this is no shade to my village um but you feel more obligated to go when it's somebody you know like yeah. so to have like a handful of people come up to me and be like hi sorry i've never met you before but can i have a copy i was like yeah, yeah sure um cause i think that's when it also clicks like wow i talk about plan b I talk about like sleeping with my ex and like all this other stuff that's like oh, yeah. really personal um or like you know just like my relationship with my biological father and like my family and I'm just like here you go like yeah, it's like it's giving you my my whole life chronicles and that's in one book <laughs> that's the thing sometimes I'll yeah. sign books and I'll be like thanks for buying a piece of my heart because that's, that's literally what it is yeah. like 
this like really intimate thing about my life and my experiences. Um, it's, of course. It's a beautiful thing. Like, yeah. Just to talk to people about it afterwards too. Um, it's a sign that you love yourself and that is honestly something that is like it, it's unexplainable unless, until you're at that point where you know that you do because if you it's like if you had that if you still like have that discomfort where it's like I don't know if I I want to like you know put myself out there that much I don't want to I don't know if I want complete strangers knowing all this really personal shit about me but it's like it's like you own it you know it's like you own that that is what's what you've been through and this is who you are and for you to like you know stand up and say that like this is like you know this is the real me and like this is for me this is for anyone else who has also been there or that you know that like you know needs to understand like I mean that is that that's a big sign of it's a sign of self-love, growth, confidence, like all of the above. That's what I think is kind of my thing. Like was it um it being this big testimony about how far I've come and how really like even if like you know someone picks this up and they're not at that same place like I want them to know they can mm. get there too. Mm. Um because self-love isn't easy, yeah. like, and I think we, the culture of you need to love yourself in order to love somebody else is trash, because that's basically saying folks who are not in that space are undeserving of love, and that's yeah. very foul and backwards. Um, and it's like, there's little components, there's different components that you learn to love about yourself at different times, you know? And it's a, it's, an, it's something that's like, an, it's not like a destination, you're forever, like, working towards self-love because there are still some days I oh, wake yeah. up and I'm just like, like yeah. no one look at me right. no one talk to me no one read my stuff like yeah. I like you just kind of want to like shut out um totally but yeah it's it's a journey man and it's it's a challenging one it's a it's a difficult one um it can be a lot of blood sweat and tears but mm -hmm. I think now that I'm kind of on this side of it um it's beautiful totally. and it's it's weird it's, it's like a good weird though yeah. like a weird that i kind of am trying to learn to lean into of course yeah i then that's beautiful i can relate um with like kind of my expressive my openness about my mental health issues um Ooh, mental health yeah <laughs> we, we need a whole different episode for that, that will be a whole thing. yeah but it's like i like, I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook that I've never met in real life. And I post frequently about, you know, my, you know, mental um, struggles that I've had and my difficulties with my illnesses. And, like, last week, did an episode on BPD. And yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and, like, it's, like, people that I've never met are going to watch this or see this. And, you know, it's, like, it's, it may be, it's weird it, it's like it would be weird for me to like you know just go up to a stranger and be like oh like hi i'm ben like i have this this and this mental health issue but it's like when i'm in this medium where i'm comfortable and just having a conversation and telling like a story that puts it in a context then it's not so weird anymore it's like you know this is this isn't this is me being willfully vulnerable so that i can help someone else that is, the, that is the goal. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's the goal.
Yeah. So I, in that way, it's like, yeah, like I'm putting all this out about me, but you know, it's really because I want to make the world a better place. And that's the thing too. I think like, it's funny because I always joke that I'm like, ah, the book is great. And then also not great because I'm just telling all my business. But at the same time, like we need to have more of those conversations, like mm -hmm. more of those open, honest, vulnerable conversations. Um, because by keeping so many things in the dark, um, whether it's about like mental illness or a different form of oppression, like it's just, it doesn't do anybody good. It doesn't do good for yourself because you're locking all this away and you're kind of struggling with it by yourself and mm -hmm. you feel alone. But it also doesn't help like folks who may be able to relate or part of me or be able to like look at you and be like, oh, me too. Yeah. Um, or like, wow, like I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just the power of the medium, I guess. Yeah, yeah, of course. They, it's all about the medium because that that makes people look at it like, you know, this is done with intent. It's not done, you know, just like out of the blue. So in this, so we see a lot of, like in the media, we see a lot of like just reactionary attitudes from, you know, people that, don't don't want or don't care about change or people that just don't care about you know that don't give the time of day to listen to marginalized communities or minorities and you just have politicians that just don't have like the the, the people's interest in mind versus you know they want things to stay the same as they always have been so in that age where it's like all this bullshit is happening yeah where what gives you the most hope where do you find like the love that like kind of the love that conquers the fear i think i find it in a mixture of different places um i think sometimes i don't know so like working in customer service like sometimes it's just like those small interactions with customers that don't make me want to bang my head into yeah. a register like having you know someone who's completely not me like you know we, we differ in like a lot of different ways or identities um and like saying something to me that makes me feel visible and seen or even just like a small kind of conversation where we both end up laughing like is one of those small things that give me kind of hope um because i think i internalize a lot of fear about the outside world mm -hmm. um i especially worry since where i work has a lot of like old white folks that like okay please don't be racist when you come to my register um but even having some of them be like you're one of very few employees of color or like one time i had a dude walk in and he was like oh my god a woman of color works here i'm so excited <laughs> and i was like yeah like, oh, God. <laughs> like it was cool though I was like, this is real weird that you yeah. said it out loud, but also real cool that you acknowledged it. Yeah. And you were like, I need, like, this This needs to happen more. Um, yeah. Was dope. But then even just, like, I find hope in, like, conversations like this. Like, you were somebody who added me on Facebook or vice versa. And I was like, this dude's cool as fuck. And, oh like... God, thank you so much. You're pretty awesome, too. And that's why I really wanted to have you on the show, because, you know, I knew you would have a lot to say on this topic. Yeah, Ben invited me a couple weeks ago, I so... I did, I did. Don't I, be jealous. I'm but, yeah, like, just, <laughs> like, finding hope in, like, that kind of thing, or even just, like, talking to other folks who maybe, like, do know my experiences on a more personal level, like, when I connect with other black women, and, like, we're exchanging all these stories, and, like, where the room is just filled with so much joy that it doesn't matter 
what's happening on the outside world because it's like you can't take this moment you can't take this feeling away no matter mm -hmm. if you come with like your guns or your police or your walls or whatever the fuck it might be yeah. like you like that there's nothing you can do to stop that um because that is so much bigger than us but then also so much bigger than like whatever kind of thing tries to impeach on that um mm -hmm. so yeah i think just kind of like that kind of feeling is what makes me hopeful um and i'm very privileged and blessed to be in spaces where i have that feeling a lot good yeah. um in the city of milwaukee wisconsin <laughs> and in these artistic circles um well these yeah. are the conversations that are you know gonna help move the, the world forward at least that's the hope that yeah. is the hope i in kind of a, a different way but similar like i met a lot of people from coming to uwm that had never met a jew until like they met me and like guys from my fraternity we were a jewish fraternity it's like yeah there's there's all these people that are from you know small wisconsin towns that you know don't know any jews because <laughs> jews are seem to be more city oriented but um it's like well it's like it's it is kind of weird when it's like this is this has been my whole life up to this point like this is my norm and it's like they've never like this just isn't normal at all for them yeah <laughs> you know um so in that way it's like yeah you're right it is weird but it's also kind of hopeful because it's like they're still you know it's like they're excited to know you and hear from you so yeah that does give flashes of hope that's awesome yeah yeah all right as we're closing out this evening Mikey, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> the ending note. Um, failure, fear of failure keeps me up at night. Um, and other random insecurities keep me up at night. Yeah. Now, what puts you to sleep? Really good podcasts and music um, and conversations with my partner and really close friends. Good. That's all good. Great. I think that's a good way to counter a lot of that anxiety. Yeah, having definitely. good talk. Well, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. Keep watching, Mr. Nice Guy. Oh my God, you're, come back! You're come the... back and watch again and again and watch episodes you haven't seen before. You're only... Look at look at her. She she is the plug on the show. Um, yeah, thank you for being on the show. Not a problem. I had thank a lot you of fun. for having me. It was me. a really good talk. Remember, black girl silence and other. Things, things made, made of, of gold. gold. Also follow House of Renji yes. on Facebook and like House of Renji. And like and follow Mr. Nice Guy. Yes, all of that. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye, y'all.